Hello. And welcome to Pop Tarts. I'm Emily Rems. And I'm Callie Watts. We are both editors at Bust Magazine in New York City. We love talking to each other about pop culture, and we love talking to you about pop culture. Today, our guest is someone who has brought me so much joy in my life for so many years, but it's also someone I've never had a chance to have a proper sit-down conversation with before until now. So I'm super duper excited. Murray Hill is a vaudeville legend, a downtown New York City treasure. Murray Hill is a comedian and a variety show host in the shticky tradition of 60s Borscht Belt and Vegas comics of yore, like Don Rickles and Dean Martin. New York Magazine named him one of the 50 most iconic gender benders of all time. Paper declared him one of the top 10 it boys in New York City nightlife history. Time Out New York named him one of the top 12 gender bending performers in New York City. And of course, Bust Magazine has featured him as our boy du jour. You already know. (laughs) These days, Murray is setting aside his usual hosting duties and taking center stage in his own autobiographical comedy show, About to Break, running at the very prestigious Joe's Pub here in New York City, September 20th to 29th. Murray Hill, welcome to the show. I could not be more excited to get the chance to talk to you. Showbiz. (laughs) Good morning, kids. How are you? I know it's in the evening, but it's a podcast. Nobody knows it's morning for me. (laughs) I never get nervous. I really don't. Because I'm dead inside. But all that mattered is that dude is fucking hot as shit. I'm a feminist. I love women. I used to be one. You're the BMOC. Just just like... I've known you for like 15 years, right? I first saw you 18 years ago. Oh, shit. I I was like putting the numbers up to seem younger. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm glad that you asked because I was going to open the show with one of my wistful remembrances of uh, the first time. Sometimes when there's a guest that I have some personal history with, I like to take people back to Sicily, 1949. (laughs) Rose! (laughs) Rose! I moved to New York City in the year 2000, which was 18 years ago. In the year 2000. I moved to New York City, and I had been, throughout my entire teenage life, devouring the Village Voice paper magazine and interview magazine, just obsessing about New York nightlife, New York weirdos, performance art, the scene, the downtown situation, just fantasizing about it day and night. It took me until I was 25 to get here. And when I got here, it was mostly gone. Womp, womp. However, <laughs> like shortly after I arrived and I was I was pouring over time out in New York, I found a Murray Hill show and I went and it was absolutely everything that I wanted. I believe world famous Bob the burlesque yes. queen was there. The Dazzle Dancers were there oh, yeah. who were... Just um, every gender running around nude with many sparkles. And and that's before people were even talking about gender again. E- exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was there was cool musical acts and Murray was so funny and so wild. And I was just trying to figure out, like, what the fuck was going on <laughs> in the most delighted way. I knew that I had found what I had look- was looking for and I became a devoted Murray Hill show attendee 
from that day on. And one of the shows that I went to was at a place that is now defunct called Fez in the uh, basement the <laughs> of a restaurant on Lafayette Street. And it was close to the holidays, I think. And I was still very new in town. And uh, Murray called me up on stage and Wait, invited me. This is like me. your worst fear. I know, but Murray, <laughs> I, I have mentioned on previous podcasts that I don't like to go to comedy shows because I don't want to get pointed out for crowd work. But in this particular yeah, who case. Who wants to go to a comedy show? <laughs> <laughs> Murray pulled me out of the audience and invited me to sit on his lap and I was like so giddy and blushing and giggly oh that well, tell them I was Santa so I don't get some me too calls <laughs> Murray was Santa and it was the fucking best I felt so seen and I felt like I was part of the show and I almost cried because I was too excited um so that is those are my early remembrances of Murray Hill and I have enjoyed this gentleman's work Every single year since then. I'm a Jew, a lonely Jew on Christmas. So Murray Hill's Christmas spectaculars are literally the highlight of my Christmas season. And there's, I could go on and on, but I'm really going to dive in and actually speak to Murray Hill instead of speaking about Murray Hill. <laughs> I know, right? Where were you? Wait a minute. Just hold on a second. All right. Let's hold on. I have an interesting memory, too. Do you really? Yes. <gasps> Many. And, you know, you've been with different people and gender people over the years at the Christmas show. But I remember <laughs> what it was a long time ago, um, LPR, you and who, uh, I don't, who knows if it was a they or him or an us or a we, but some guy person you were with, uh -huh. you both were very excited and you, and you said, this reminds me of Pee Wee's Playhouse. Uh huh. And I, I, the reason why I remember that is because I have since become friends with him only in the last year, uh, and he saw me perform, and it, and you know, it's he's so in my consciousness from youth. Yeah, me too. And it, and he did create. You know, I I know all about his career and everything. He did create a world where he was accepted in, and all of his weird friends were accepted in. So it's like I was do. I'm like doing that. You know, it's it's just like, and now now I become friends with him. So it, full circle. So full circle How and awesome another full circle moment. Uh huh. Guess who I ran into at a party the other night? Aquafina. Yes. Who, since you know you're going to get into what what you're watching, uh -huh. uh, you know, is on the biggest movie right now. The, yeah, uh, had her on Crazy one Rich. Of the first Asians. Yeah. So I saw her at a party. I haven't seen her in so long. We both bonded because the first time we met was bus anniversary party. Oh. I don't know what anniversary it was because Sia was there. It Sia. was. 15. 15 at the Spiegel tent. Yes. So anyway, another full circle, and that was just last week. We I have so much crisscrossing history. Yeah, showbiz. But anyway, kids, I'm happy to be here. It's, <laughs> it's not often I come uptown. Uh, so when I ran into you in the year 2000, when I first encountered you, where were you on your performative journey? How long had you been in the hustle, and what had led you to that point when art lives finally intersected finally at last well the fez days um that was still kind of new uh-huh i had been doing like full-blown like late night club appearances at club casanova on avenue a and like third street dirty yeah yeah very dirty back then and it was it was a drag king club by moby that moby dick ran and then on the same night i would do flamingo east 
which was a, a, sh- a clubby, like nightlife lounge kind of hipster thing, you know, because everything changes on what's mm-hmm. hip and what year. Mm-hmm. So I would like be with these really, you know, very straight, well-dressed hipsters. And then at night I would go to the drag king and, you know, stay out till five o'clock in the morning. So at some point, you know, Kiki and Herb and, um, and Jackie Beat and Joan Rivers were all performing at Fez doing like oh, an wow. act. Yeah. So you saw me when I was the early points of making appearances and being in the nightclubs to actually doing a show. Uh-huh. So that was early. And I would I would say those Fez years, I was married like 24-7 for a good 10 years until wow. my liver ran out. <laughs> <laughs> and how long had you been in New York? I moved to New York, I think, in, you know, the memory's a little hazy at my age. <laughs> I think 95. Wow, okay. You know, I don't know if you remember this, but before that, the first thing I did in New York was run for mayor. You ran what? against Giuliani. Giuliani. And you should have won. Oh, you know, I got 341 write-in votes. Aw. I actually went down and checked at the city clerk's office. Yeah, I would totally check. Yeah. 300. That's not bad. And this is That's before internet kids. Yeah, that's yeah. not bad at That's all. word of mouth. Yeah. <laughs> word of mouth, 300 people. <laughs> Guy running for mayor like me. I Success. I love it. I love it. I love it. Very apropos on uh, primary day. That's right. Today is the New York primaries. Did you vote, Marie Hill? Oh, yeah. Do you mind if I ask for whom? Uh, I just vote all Democratic all the time. Uh-huh. That's, I'm going to keep it at that. I don't want to say. There you I go. I do benefits for a lot of, uh, right, right. you know, for Cynthia Nixon, so I don't, you know, <laughs> I, don't wanna, I don't want any trouble. So back then, you mentioned that you were doing drag king shows, and when I first started seeing you, you were being billed as the king of all New York City drag kings. But as your career evolved, so did the way that you expressed yourself about your gender identity. Can you tell me more about that process and evolving as a public figure and coming into your own in the drag world, but sort of differentiating yourself from that label? Yeah, that, that's that's a hot topic these days. It's a very hot, sizzling topic. Ooh, gender. Um, yeah, you know, I, I was very influenced uh, before I even moved to New York. Like, you know, I, I was doing my homework when I was in Boston uh-huh. and couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, I saw all these drag queen shows then, and I, I was a photographer, and, you know, I saw Lady Bunny and Garlina and, you know, um, Lipsinka. And that was, I don't know, they must be 80 now name. if I saw them that <laughs> long Lady ago. Lady Bunny, but Lipsinka is a yeah. good name. And I just, they just did a wig sock reunion they did the other the other day. But anyway, so when so I was part of the drag queen, you know, queer nightclub scene in Boston, but as a, an observer. Yeah. And there was no drag kings. There was no nothing. It was all men all the time. Hasn't changed that much, but we don't have to get into that right this particular moment. But we could. Yeah, we could. Yeah, we totally <laughs> uh, anyway, so when I moved to New York, um, I as a photographer to go to grad school here, I went to Wigstock like a, a little young naive schmuck student with cheekbones <laughs> with my camera, which actually had film in it, kids. <laughs> yeah, Imagine you even, it. You don't even know what film is, this one over here. Oh, I, 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 Older than I appear. Now you look Don't pretty let old. The, uh, nah, just, just you. Yeah. So, so kids, I got to New York in '95. It was Labor Day weekend. I'd only been in New York for like two days, and I wound up at Wigstock. Was that on the piers? Yes, on the west side. And I was taking photos, and you know, just like a, a kid come to New York, I literally had an epiphany sitting on you know the pier. I'm like, okay, everyone's taking pictures of drag queens. Mm-hmm. There's They're drag very queens everywhere. There's gay men everywhere. I didn't see very 
uh, disproportionate representation and visibility. And I literally said, what's on the other side? You know, it was a, it was a come to Jesus moment, even though I don't believe in any of that garbage. <laughs> so it was like, what's on the other side? You know, what is this? You know, you either come to a city, you're going to be a big fish in a small city, you're going to be original. So I, I really learned that immediately, my yeah. second day in New York. So, I, so there are these drag king nights going on at Hershey Bar in the Meatpacking District way back, you know, when it was dangerous and all that. Before Soho House. Oh, yeah, way before that, <laughs> before Jeffrey. <laughs> so uh, I snuck into these clubs as a photographer, and I would take pictures of these drag king pageants. And it was very different. It was like somber, you know, and it was about passing and masculinity. It wasn't like comedic or campy. Like the it drag wasn't queens. a send up of masculinity. It was just like well, a- it you know I think I love camp so much, and I have so much you know dra- seen so many drag shows uh-huh. when I was a kid. Like it's comedy, it's exaggeration, right. it's it's political in ways. But but the shows, the early shows I saw were literally, you know, masculine type women in suits being badass yeah and not for a joke just like fuck you have you seen pose i have exactly the visual of what you're talking about just like can they walk with the swagger yeah it was it was it was a really about passing Mm -hmm. and like butch realness which you know is ancient at this point but it was very different Uh uh-huh and you know i saw I kept going to these things. I have these photos, and there's a lot of them that are in a book. We could do it, put one of them up on the online so they could see it. Oh yeah. And you know, I, I had such a comedic background, and I'm and I believed in camp so much as a method, and a strategy if I had to uh-huh. deal with shit. And then I saw this. So I, I saw that there was a place to put that campiness stuff into this other ar- area, which it wasn't there really. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's kind of the short story of it. So I became this campy schmuck guy because guys should be you know made fun of just as much as the guys take liberty with with drag queens. You know so anyway so that's kind of how I I got you know into that. This is a long answer, but um, I never really wanted to be a drag queen or drag king. I make a joke about drag queen by the way. Um, yeah, I didn't really want to be labeled a drag king or anything. I never believed in that. Uh-huh. But there were there's like no words. Yeah. Nobody right. said there was nothing. It was literally, you know, I don't I don't want to tell you kids how old I am, but you know, it was butcher femme, that was it. Uh-huh. In those days. There was no trans, there's no trans man, there's no transgender, there, none of that. Gender queer, mock, nothing. That's all shit I've learned in the last 2 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, drag king was the default. Uh-huh. Opposite of a drag queen is a drag king. So, Anyway, I'm talking too much, but I, I've never, I've never really um, liked to be labeled by gender or ID or anything. I've just wanted to be a comedian. But it sounds like you're saying that you've availed yourself of the language as it became available. Yeah, I mean, I, I've really learned, you know, and it, it, and also if you, if you go back to my history and what I believe in is, is camp. Yeah, you know, back in the day, you never said your real name. You didn't tell what you didn't say what you identified for. You didn't. You weren't a performer playing Murray Hill, right? So I still am like kind of old school in that way. It's like it's Murray Hill. Uh-huh. Right. So Murray Hill, showbiz. If this is too meta, let me know, kids. Is not trans because right. Murray Hill is Murray Hill. Murray right. Hill is a middle aged schmuck, right? Right. Comedian. So you know, it's it's been an interesting kind of thing to to you know navigate now that there's different words and especially now that RuPaul's Drag Race is like 
beyond mainstream, so I get a lot of questions about it. But, you know, I still am like, hey, I'm Murray Hill. But I'm glad that you brought up Drag Race because I've often thought and spoken to others about the fact that if there were to be a drag king corollary to Drag Race, you would be the obvious host of such a show. That there would be a a Murray Hill's Drag Race. Um, But that would cast you as a drag king. And so does that somehow put itself at odds with your identity? Well, I mean, I think think my identity is all over the place. Yeah. And, and that's why there's no word. Like, you can't slap one thing on this situation. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. D, all of the above. Um, you know, I definitely come from a drag nightlife community. So I don't, you know, you know, I obviously I come from that world. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I maybe wouldn't be the father of the drag kings, but I'm the granddaddy. <laughs> you know? You're, yeah. You're the head honcho. Sh- I'm still alive. I'm still doing it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. You're the BMOC. Am I right? <laughs> so I think every place that I've seen you perform in has been underground is gone. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's gone. And, you know, I really had a lot of feelings and thoughts about that. I still live in the East Village. I moved to the East Village for the nightlife scene that I was describing and it completely evaporated out from under me. I still live in the East Village. I still love it. It's my spiritual home. But all of that was just gone for a while and now it's back but it's all in Brooklyn. Yeah. How did that affect your career trajectory? You you, uh, had to leave your little downtown New York City nest and you well, spread you your re- wings throughout you the remember, world. remember, like, you know, when I first started, every single night I was at a club mm-hmm. in the Lower East Side. Yeah. And it was all queer nights, club nights. You know, the cock, the boiler room, you know, oh, yeah. e- cake, everything. It was like, I saw you at the boiler room yeah. for sure. Oh, I used, oh God. You know, I fir- when I first went there, you know who, who was having drinks of the cast of Go Fish? <laughs> That's how old I am. I don't even know what that is. It's oh, a movie. You damn kids. It's a, it's a queer movie. Yeah, it was like the first one. I, 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 I wonder if it holds it. up, but I have, to, yeah, I have to Yeah, I have to watch it again. But, um, yeah, there, every night you could – and I was out every single night. I was Murray every single night in the Lower East Side, uh-huh. like Avenue A, Avenue B, First Avenue. It was just, you know, yeah. Fez. Um, but, you know, when things started to gentrify a little bit more – I don't know if you remember this, but – so after Fez – then it was Mo Pickens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's that's when I kind of started to shift. You were on the wall at Mo Pickens. They I was on the mural. A portrait of you yes. on to the wall. And it said showbiz, but they spelled it wrong. <laughs> shoebiz. I still get made fun shoebiz. of. Shoebiz. No, no E. I mean, no W. Just shoebiz. <laughs> but, you know, it was it was that was around the time where things were gentrifying down there. Yeah. And people would – so – all of us, not all of a sudden, but pretty quickly. Yeah. All your friends used to come to your shows. They used to come to my bingo nights. They came to my Murray Hill shows at Fez. You know, it was just your friends that you played for. All the cool, you know, mixed downtown misfits. And then, you know, once I got to Mo Pickens, then it was other people were coming into the neighborhood to see what New York was like. <laughs> but it really was kind of over at that point. But I mean, I was still there. But, yeah. you know, so it, it shifted. So I think, I think. You know, quote unquote mainstream started to see mm-hmm. me at Mo Pickens because that was a big comedy place too. Yeah. And I played after all the comedy guys that now are on TV, like Nick Kroll and, you know, all those guys now mm-hmm. that are doing great in Hollywood. So, you know, it was around that time, it was like, oh, yeah. 
And then after that place closed, I went to the zipper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was closer to, to uh, Penn Station. Yeah, and then the zipper, you know, I got more mainstream audiences, more mainstream. So from there, it's kind of I have kind of, you know, gone more mainstream, so to speak. But then I started doing all my stuff in Brooklyn, my pageants and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. just to stay in the neighborhood. But right. yeah, the whole scene, it seems like, well, not the whole scene, but part of the scene is in Brooklyn. Right. But then you kept Brooklyn as your home base, but you also became an international act. How did that happen? It's a great question. <laughs> um, I was playing uh, the show called This is Burlesque. Did you go to that? I bet you did. Yes, I did. Yeah, I think I think we ran ads with you guys or something <laughs> back when people did that. <laughs> well, they still do. Showbiz. Yeah, no, show <laughs> it was down at Soho uh-huh. in the corner, a little upstairs, a little speakeasy I did with Angie Pontani, mm-hmm. who's a big fan of Bust. And we did that show for two years, and um, and it was a big hit. And one night, um, a bunch of—I uh, don't mean to say this with disregard—but but but a bunch of LA types were there. Right, <laughs> I can say that in New York. <laughs> yeah, and they're Los Angelinos. Yeah, they're you know, they're, one of the guys, one of the guys was a production manager, was so cool, and the other one was like an agent manager, and like so LA, and was like, I work for Dita Von Teese. I'm going to be calling you. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the same mm-hmm. shit everybody yeah, always right. says. And she actually called called me like a year later and said, um, Dita's looking for a host. We've been using these guys, and it's not working out. Oh. And we want to give you a test run. So I, I don't remember what year that was. It was a while ago. Um, so I did a test four shows with her in, in uh, Seattle. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. That's amazing. So we worked on this big show together called Strip Strip Hooray. We toured that for like eight years. Oh, my nine. And then it went international. And then, yeah, all, then I started going to London. Then I got this big gig in Australia. You know, so I've been all over the place. Kids. Like Sydney Opera House. Sydney Opera House. I've done two seasons there. Amazing. And my big face was on buses and billboards. Ah! And, you know, I really worked with the marketing because, you know. You get, I um, keep repeating what my strategy is, but they didn't put Drag King Murray Hill. They didn't do it. It was just Murray right. Hill, the host. You know, so it was a real jolt when people would, you know, literally come off the cruise lines and go into the show, be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> but then after your whirlwind trip around every continent, you were drawn back here because you got this huge commission from New York Voices to create your own show which you're here promoting now, About to Break. And to develop the show, you mentioned earlier that you worked with Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman. And I am dead about it. I can't even wrap my mind around how excited I am that that happened. And how did that collaboration come about? And what is it like being mentored by him? And like, tell me every single thing that there is to tell me about it. Well, I, you know the Magic Castle in L.A.? Yeah. Um, the family that owns that, has a mansion in the hills, and inside that is a private vaudeville theater. <gasps> wow! And the family used to audition magicians there. Oh my god! So um, Erica, the woman that 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 runs it, um, ha- has did a, does a show there called the Brooklyn Follies, and you have to be invited to perform, and it's an invite only uh-huh. audience. Oh, it's only like amazing. fifty people in there. Oh my god! You know, no air conditioning. Old. It's like old school. <laughs> Deal with it in a garden behind a mansion. You know, it's it's it was that sounds it's really amazing. Something. 
anyway, I, I can't remember how I got asked to do it, but I was asked to do it by Erica to host one of the nights. No, not host. I'm sorry. Just do 10-minute slot. And right before, you know, people got linen, I saw him. And I literally was like, <laughs> I don't get like that really ever. But I was just like, <laughs> yeah. And Eric was like, you got to meet him. You got to meet him. I got to introduce you. And I went to introduce, I went to, we went up and I, I met him and he just was not having me. Really? I had this like plaid suit on, you know, he was just like, yeah, what's whatever. You know, he was just a little chilly, right? Huh. He, you know, everyone wants to talk to him. Every, you know, he's always yeah, sworn. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then, um, so I was so nervous. I never get nervous. I really don't. Because I'm dead inside. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was just sweating bullets having him out there in the audience because it was just like too much for my brain to handle. I'm like, really a hero. Yeah. Right. You know, I he mean, started off in the nightclubs. And did his own his his Pee Wee show was at the Roxy in yeah. L.A. as a nightclub show before he went off to mainstream and all that. So he's really it was really similar backgrounds and stuff. Anyway, I was freaking out. Anyway, I did a pretty good set. I'm sweating. I'm nervous. I was like crazy, and I sit back down into my chair and watch the rest of the show. And I and I felt the hand on my shoulder, and he said, "You are hilarious." <gasps> We need to be friends. Oh, my God. Did he say you needed to be friends? Yeah, and then he apologized, oh you know, before because he didn't know it was like, he didn't know what my deal was. He was like, <laughs> I didn't know you were funny. Yeah. So, you <laughs> Take know, and, it then, back. and then we became friends. And I think, um, you know, basically I was in L.A. for a couple months and I just met with him and talked with him. And I was right trying to organize all the years of material that I had go through everything. You know, it's all been on papers and notebooks and oh flyers. God. So I would, you know, work during the day and then go literally just hang out with him at night. Oh, and sometimes God. more than often we wouldn't even talk about any, any of the shows. It was just about showbiz and, you know, or, or we'd hang out for like three hours and then at the last ten minutes we'd talk about some theme. You know, it was just, I basically was just like a sponge. Yeah. Yeah. And he is the funniest, quickest, sharpest mind I've ever met. So I, I mean, I was like a kid, just a kid in a candy store. Is he kind? He is so kind. I just want him to be so kind. So generous. He is a lovely person, and I, I mean, I'm just like, like I'm like a tough sell to laugh. Uh huh. And he just kills me. He makes me laugh so bad. Like I feel like the fact that his so amazing. Uh, the fact that his kids show was canceled. And the circumstances under which it was canceled, I still take it personally that it was like, like I was robbed of like the thing that gave me life. As I, I think I was like in late elementary school or early junior high when that happened. I don't think I've ever gotten over the fact that they canceled his show. It was so unjust. Was, I'm still yeah, furious look at, look about at how it till this things day. are today. It's I know. Just give like, me a break. Yeah. So what is it about the Borscht Belt '50s '60s shticky aesthetic? That what is this Borscht Belt? I don't even know this. Okay, term. so for the children, there were in the 50s and 60s and and into the early 80s, there's all these uh, Catskill resorts that were frequented by the Jewish people. 
such as myself. I've actually vacationed there myself. <gasps> and Did you see any? Sh- were they still having shows at the Concord? Yeah. <gasps> Who'd you see? Yeah. Do you remember? I I saw a stand-up comedian. He was Shecky Green like, but he was not. <gasps> oh my god! Shecky the fact Green. that you just mentioned she- Shecky Green, I think <laughs> no idea. <laughs> if your boyfriend breaks up with you, I'm in line. <laughs> <laughs> any woman that says Shecky Green, I'm in love with you. <laughs> I've heard you say before that the women that you date are the kind of women that you date right before you go into rehab, and I think I fit the bill. Yeah, showbiz. That <laughs> Total showbiz. Show. <laughs> yeah. To uh, to address your question, Callie. So it's called the Borched Belt because Jews would vacation there and sticky Jewish comedians would play there. There's ah. these big Jewish resorts, so it was called the Borscht Belt. Ah. And so the the Murray Hill persona is part that, but really I would say is equal parts Dean Martin, Vegas Lounge. I understand all that. Borscht Belt was whoop, over the head. <laughs> but well, now you the, know. the difference with the Borscht Belt, too, is that, you know, these big comedians like Jerry Lewis, Shecky Green, you know, Alan King, you know, they would not they would do shows, comedy shows at night. But during the day, they would play Simon Says at the pool with the customers or and then they would wait tables. So they were like these full like camp counselors. <laughs> but for adults. Yeah, for amazing. adults. Like on Dirty Dancing. Yeah. There's a word for that. I'm spacing on it. Activities directors. No, there's, there's an actual word for it. Is there really? Yeah, we'll, we'll get back. To, I, I'll, I'll look it up. <laughs> what is the word for that Is shit? it a Yiddish word? Yeah, it is. Oh, uh, but I should know it. <laughs> Tumler. A Tumler? Tumler. Oh, my God. That's the name. The guy who shepherds the resorters around. Yeah. And learning, then they also learning. They also play... You know, games with them. They entertain them. They make everybody happy, and then they do they they do the shows at night. So you know, I, I was I just must in have Mexico it. last week, and they had those dudes, but it was Mexican. It was great. Showbiz It's so showbiz. <laughs> yeah, they were doing uh, name that movie theme song by the pool. Yeah, see, it's the same, it's the same thing. It's borscht. So it's kind of like a host. Yes, yeah. and like a, a maitre d. So and, and it's like, I mean. I don't know. I w- obviously I wasn't alive then, but I, I'm like I must have have been there in the past life somewhere because I'm just like that. You are like that. <laughs> so that's the difference between comedy comedians, like stand up punchline comedians, which I'm mm-hmm. not. Is I'm more like a you know, make sure you have a nice seat, everything's fine, the music's good, let's have some laughs. Let, you know, it's it's much more of a conversation yeah. and about the audience rather than my shtick. So you've had that persona for twenty years. Would you say that it's because that is you and you are that or what what is the difference between murray on stage and off is what i'm getting at well i mean you know i could have answered that question differently 15 years ago but i i think i am kind of like that you know you know kind of like you know the daddy or the 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 making sure everybody's comfortable and having a good time and all that kind of stuff uh-huh so yeah i've just managed to make a career out of it but the show the new show that we're working on actually talks about some of that stuff of Mm -hmm. like kind of you know, I've always been like that, but now I kind of say why. Because, uh-huh. like, comedy and jokes and, and being, you know, the shtick master uh-huh. was how I survived yeah. being a kid. So you, when you have those early coping mechanisms to deal with, like, all the fucking troubles that you deal with when you're a little different that uh-huh. long ago, you know, I really used humor to survive. So and then that that kind of defense mechanism has grown into a huge career. So the show has talks a little bit about that in a humorous way. Uh-huh. And the aesthetics of Murray Hill are very specific. It's tight tuxedos and ruffles and polyester and a mustache. Do you ever feel tempted after 20 years to switch up the aesthetics or would that just like 
just blow it to shit? You know, that's a good question. No one's ever asked me that. Um, Would Murray wear a tracksuit? Well, I, I sometimes Murray wears a tracksuit in Brooklyn during the day. Day Murray. 5 p.m., yeah. There's a Palm Springs day look, Murray, and uh-huh. then there's a tracksuit. Uh-huh. Resort wear. Resort, absolutely. All right. Yeah, you know, I've never, I've changed my glasses once mm. or twice over 20 years, uh-huh. and now I wear fades sometimes, you know, because I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> the hair's changed a little bit, but yeah, it's almost, I mean, I think part of Murray is not changing, and that's what, he's he's kind of like a, a dependable. Yeah, comfort There's something blanket. very comforting. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I, you know, I'll change it. Maybe I'll wear like a, a pl- but I definitely won't wear col- certain colors and certain, I'll always wear a suit to go to an opening or to a show or uh-huh. on stage. I mean, I would, and I'm like kind of old school like that. I would never not have a jacket on on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, your name popped up on my news feed very abruptly this summer. I would say specifically in July. Oh, mine too. <laughs> when Scarlett Johansson was announced as the lead in a film called Rub and Tug about a 70s trans underworld icon named Tex Gill. Uh, The internet, just sort of generally speaking, freaked out that a cis woman was cast in this role and Scarlett withdrew and there was a whole mishigas. But the New York nightlife people that I follow all, without exception, pointed out that if you look at photos of Tex Gill, it would literally be a no-brainer to cast you. I know role. I look like the guy. Unbelievable. Same like stomach rolls and everything. Oh my God. And the widow speak. So much buzz about it that you ha- released an official statement about it saying, I'm available. <laughs> Has anything happened with that since then? Whose door do I have to break down? Is it true that Amy Schumer went to bat for you seriously and like talked to the producers of oh this gosh, film and was like, this. this is the part for Murray Hill? Yeah, the, the, there was such like crazy. You know, it, it came out on July 4th. I was name-dropped in an article uh, in the USA Today about it. But since it was July 4th, I was, you know, I was, I was basically sleeping in. Nice. So when I got out, I was like, what am I getting tagged and all this shit for? And then I was like, oh, 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 wow. Oh. oh, God, it looked like this, this character. <laughs> um, so it was like a, a swirl. Yeah. And then everybody was asking about it. So then I put out a statement. And I wanted to put out a statement, the opposite tone, which mm-hmm. is kind of my act. Yeah, that everybody everybody was so angry and pissed at this and that and that and I don't I don't believe that's that's not how I like to change things. I like to change things by getting in there, sitting at the table, and then shaking it up. Um, so you know, Variety called me, Hollywood Reporter called me. I was in the dialogue. Yeah, of all amazing. this stuff, and uh, Amy and my agent they did they did. Make some calls on my behalf. Oh my god! The latest I've heard is because usually when something like this happens, the the, sh- the movie gets shelved. Yeah, because she's it was her production company. Oh, ah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, small detail. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, it was a passion. So she project. was like developing it for herself. Yeah, oh. and you can't can't blame anybody for that. Um, so I think because of the nature of the backlash, uh-huh. that they're going to keep it alive. Wow. That's all I've heard so far. Oh, my God. I'm going to burn all the candles that a Jewish girl can burn. <laughs> I love this. Oh, my God. Okay. I can't believe it was a passion project. I did I, not, I did not that. know that detail about it. That just... That flips the things. Very interesting. Well, I mean, that's... And, and you know, and, and one of the things I said in the in my official Instagram statement yeah. was 
you know, I don't remember how I said, you know, oh, what's on the opposite side of this? Like way back when I saw drag queens, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, let's just think about it for a minute. What if me, Murray Hill, plays her character in the Avengers? Yeah. Like if you just flip it like that, it makes. Forget all the trans this and that. Let's okay. Let's let's. What if I yeah. Murray Hill yeah. looking like I look like, right? Because that's a lot of it's about look and who I am. Was played her character in Avengers. I'll tell you this: if you were her character in Avengers, I would see the Avengers for the first time. I would have seen it for the first time. <laughs> for the very first time, they would get my box office dollar. But you know what I mean? So but I know like, exactly you turn what you it, mean. It's like. Yeah. I mean, of course, you could do any artistic project you want. Mm-hmm. And often women in Hollywood, they have to ha- have a fucking production company that they own, that they run, so they can do what they want. Exactly. Yeah. exactly so yeah. I don't, you know, I don't want to take that away from anybody. But it's a little absurd. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't look anything. You're like, then so I said, like, why? well, why put on a fucking fat suit and get all new costumes? I've, I'm ready to go. <laughs> put you in, boss. Yeah, I'm ready. And as you said, you've spent your life with scantily clad women dancing all around you. It's true. Being the... Got a lot of experience. Yeah. The impresario of a massage parlor empire is not too far off, <laughs> casting-wise. Murray Showbiz. Hill, I need to know, are you a feminist? Hell yes! Word. And this is what I say about this. I'm a feminist. I love women. I used to be one. <laughs> <laughs> How has- I, anybody that says they're not a feminist is bullshit. Nice. I don't. I don't like that crap. But I'm not worried about that myself. The answer is yes. How has your feminism evolved over time? Um, it's actually uh, a good question. You're a good kid. You, you do research. You're the only <laughs> journalist I've talked to in the last 15 years that even bothers to be prepared. I, I'm not even, <laughs> <laughs> it's a big day for me. To, yeah. This the fuck. Ugh, the kids today. <laughs> Tell me how you got started. I'm like, what? Shut up. Um, yeah, so I think when I first started in New York, yeah, um, I was so heavily into, and this is purely from mentorship from teachers, mm-hmm. um, feminist performance art. Nice. I didn't know anything like about Karen it. Like Karen Finley type realness? Even before that. Okay. I, I, I didn't know anything because I grew up in a small town in New England. Okay. And you don't know shit about anything. So once it was like a jewel box. Once I... Was a teacher gave me Lucy Lepard's book. Uh, what the hell is the name of it now? Pink Swan. Uh huh. And that just like opened up my whole world because I used to study Diane Arbus. Like I was like, but then when I got this, I didn't know what any of this stuff was. Uh huh. And I just I really got obsessed, and I and I went to work Martha Wilson at Franklin Furnace. Blah 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 blah. So it was like I was I was like feminist performance, personal political. Like, yeah, but I took it. I combined those beliefs with the drag queen camp uh-huh. and put those together. So, in some ways, my feminism is more veiled, uh-huh. but okay. in this persona. But in other ways, it's doing more than what I set out to do when I first started, which was take up space, raise the visibility. You know, even out the playing field, critiquing masculinity in a way that makes everyone laugh. Yeah, yeah, and I love it. they need it. <laughs> God's word. So you know, it's <laughs> so to me, being on a billboard. Yeah, as Murray Hill. Yeah, without a label on it, 
is subversive, like to the yes. highest level. It's fucking major. Yeah. And, you know, here I am 20 years later. You know, another reason why I quit the tours was to do this show, but also to pitch a TV show. Because, you know, and we're doing that right now. And it's like, okay, so we've always been ahead of the curve. And now maybe it's time with Pose, RuPaul. You know, people still aren't quite sure yet, but uh-huh. it's like, you know. Laverne Cox. Yeah. It's, just, it's still all very one-sided. It is. Like, majorly. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm I'm still kind of, you know, living out that thesis from ni- in the 90s. But there's <laughs> still, I mean, I would say as in terms of trans men taking up space in the pop culture universe, you're the at the head of the pack. You've been at it for so long. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like you're really blazing a trail for just. OG. A, a literal tidal wave of gender nonconforming. I think the kids are ready for it. Uh, yeah, yeah. The kids are ready. It's it's, it's, the it's Hollywood ready. It's pop culture. It's society, and it, they are ready because I tour everywhere, small towns, out of the country. You know, I was just in Edinburgh, and like senior citizens, fucking from Scotland, were like. <laughs> so it's it's just, it's gonna. T- I think it's gonna, t- and it's not even. It, actually, this is a nice accidental segue. Uh-huh. The show, the new one is called About to Break. Yes. So it's like. I'm about to break, but I could also I could be about to break out and break out, or also like break my fucking back. Uh huh. Because I have been doing it so long, so I think it's gonna it's gonna take one, I think it's gonna take one thing, one th- just to because th- it's it's a slow grind. It's taken twenty years for you to become an overnight success. Exactly. <laughs> it's only supposed to take ten years. <laughs> oh my god! What are your hopes and dreams? Both for the show and for your future. I feel like we're at this Murray Hill tipping point where shit's about to go down. Well, Let's you know, articulate it. The show, and, and which is which is fantastic about Joe's Pub, because I've worked there since 2001, is they, of any place in the city, they actually support artist growth. Mm-hmm. I love Joe's Pub. Yeah, and, I mean, the venue's great. It's a great, all, and I know everybody that works there, but, you know, I've hosted everything Forever, yes, and I and I work all the time, so I've never had a, the opportunity to stop doing all that stuff and sit down, work with the heroes and Scott Whitman, and write mm-hmm. a show, like a real, you know, show, like a one hour. We're gonna give it one hour fifteen, maybe one hour twenty. You know how I, <laughs> you know, but but Joe's Pub really supported me in this, so that's what that's what actually got me to do it. So this show is kind of, kind is is kind of be like, hey, Murray is a comedian. Yeah, it, it's almost like it's funny. I, after all these years, I, I still have to define myself constantly, even though I don't with labels and so forth. Well, that's what happens when you're a trailblazer and you're an utter original. Yeah, like, people nobody are going to ask down. if nobody else can define you. People are going to ask you to do it over and over again. Yeah, you want and, to and a lot of that kind of stuff is in the show. And you know my ultimate goal, and, and this show hopefully will help move towards that, is to you know get the sh- TV show going. And I was uh, in July in every uh, big network's waiting room, oh my and in the meetings doing pitch meetings. So uh, I, I said to myself, I was in there with the tux with the, with the, with the team, oh my God. and you know in HBO and all the other big ones. I was in the room pitching. I was, and every meeting I said to them, I was like. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if we're ready, but just the fact that I'm in 
this room. Yeah. Who's going to be the smart one that picks it up? 20 years later. Yeah, I don't know. There's a few still in the run, running. But I think it's going to take it's going to take somebody to take a risk like transparent like pose. Yeah, it's going to take. I think it's going to The time is now, and I hope whoever gets your show fucking deserves it because you are a national treasure. Ah, oh, kid, you're the best. <sighs> Would you ever do like the YouTube show route? Hey, anything to get to get out there. Did, did you go to um, Bushwick? I didn't because I was out the night before. <laughs> I didn't make it because I but went I was to get cat food and the, the brought two... a bunch of snacks and didn't go. Yeah, sure this. But I love the Brulee Brothers, and they got going with the YouTube. And now they're going to have their own show. Maybe that's the look. Then you can have all the control. Yeah, showbiz. Do a show with Paul Rubens. <laughs> Holy shit. My Working brain at would it. explode. Dude. <sighs> Okay, we're gonna. Take I'd have a... to sit down if I wasn't sitting down. <laughs> it's just too much. <laughs> we're gonna take a brief break, and then when we oh, come back, oh good, I gotta, I gotta see a man about a horse. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna ask Murray, and we're gonna ask each other what, what you, you watching. Before we get back to the show, I want to tell you about our new sponsor, Wolfie Vibes Publicity. If you're working on a new project and find yourself in need of a kick-ass publicist who communicates well and works tirelessly to get you the coverage you're after, consider going to Wolfie Vibes Publicity. Wolfie Vibes Publicity is a female-owned and operated boutique PR firm that will get you where you need to be, and you'll even have fun in the process. Get in touch via wolfievibespublicity.com for details and quotes, and tell them that Pop-Tart sent you. And we're back. Showbiz. Oh, is I not supposed to do that? No, you can please. Oh, I thought I was do that as many times as you want. And we're back. <laughs> as is our custom, we always start with our guest. So I ask you, Murray Hill, live performance legend, what you watching? And when I ask you what you watching, I mean TV, movies, books, music, videos, the writing on the bathroom wall, anything that you are consuming pop culturally, we want to know about it. What you watching? All right, kids. Well, it, this this is an exclusive. Okay. Oh man. Yeah, I I I, I watch a lot of TV to relax, like nice. before I go to bed, and I read everything, and then I also read every showbiz book that comes out. Oh, cool. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff. But uh, the the thing that you might never ever think when you're looking at me, I watch every single show about the cartel i love this <laughs> narcos ozark have El you Chapo. seen what justin bieber looks like lately yes <laughs> i i he's going straight cartel is he going cartel he's totally cartel yeah. serving cartel realness yes <laughs> so i watch all of that stuff how do you feel about sean penn's infiltration of said cartel well, he, it's questionable. Bless his heart. Yeah. Now, it, you know, <laughs> I watch it for the complexity and the drama, and I'm, I don't know why I'm fascinated. I'm also fascinated with I have watched every single episode, every season of Miami Vice. <laughs> <laughs> Crockett in tubs. Have you seen that show about, like, uh, what is it, Dangerous Travels or? Locked Up Abroad? No, no. It's like <laughs> where this guy goes to, like, the most dangerous destinations. Mm -hmm. And he did one in Colombia where they give cartel tours. Oh, God. You got to go. That's dangerous. Obviously. I'm not going over there. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. 
<laughs> You're just going to watch it on the TV. I watched the One Day at a Time remake. Yeah. It w- is it worth it? I like it. It's still Norman Lear. Yeah. I didn't know that was out yet. Yeah, it's been out. Uh, yeah, I think it's season Rita two. Rita Moreno is in it. that ran right past me. I, had, I enjoy uh, Schneider so much from the original. I felt like... That's in the show. Schneider's in the show. The, the Pat Harrington is in, in the, the show? In the Murray show because that's the first character I played. Oh, my God. Oh, Schneider. With a, a low slung tool belt. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't get the irony back then. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Hey, <laughs> totally, that's amazing. Oh, my God. One day at a time. What else? All right. Let's see. What what else do I watch? Um, I, I, I just watched, <laughs> I watched really bad movies, Boys on the Side. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Real, real. Uh, let's, let's keep them on the side. <laughs> yeah. Same. Um, let's see. What's the new books I've got? I've got Parker Posey's new book uh-huh. has just come in. Yeah. I got Rich, this is what's on the uh Richard Pryor has as a relatively new bio out. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love cheesy self help books. Oh, oh good. yeah, the year of saying yes, Shonda Rhimes. Shonda oh. Rhimes. Oh. Yes. oh, you know what the other one I have, uh, which I love because it's it's a small, it's a cute small book. Um, Get over it by uh, the woman that's friends with Oprah. They had a Gail? fight. Gail? No, the other one, Yavana. Oh, yeah, Yamla uh, fix my life. Yeah, wait. Yeah, she Yama was friends Van with Zandt. Oprah, and now she's not. They had and a big she's... fight, but then they 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 made up. Could oh. you imagine being friends with Oprah, and then you're not friends with Oprah? <laughs> I I don't want to imagine that world. No, no. Shooketh. Yeah, I would. would have to go to therapy. Oh yeah, <laughs> I have to go to therapy just thinking about being friends with Oprah and then not being friends with Oprah. Callie, what you watching? What do we got here? I have a lot of thoughts, as we discussed in the office. About Sarah Burgess as a loser. Oh, Sierra Burgess. Sierra Burgess. Who's Sierra Burgess? She's dead to me. <laughs> she, it's a show. It's a, a film on Netflix starring the girl who played Barb on Stranger Things. <gasps> what? Yes. I was really into it until I saw it, and it's sort of like it seems fine, innocent enough. Like somebody texts the wrong person, and so she's like, "It's a Cyrano de Bergerac, yeah, remake, pretty much." But then there's a part where she like tricks the guy into thinking he's meeting up with this other girl and him and the girl are talking and then he wants to kiss her and the girl's like high dries and then tricks him into kissing the Sierra girl and that is not okay if some dude just tried to flip the switch and have me kiss a different dude I would break his kneecaps consent is sexy yeah, don't come at me with that shit. So after that, I was just irate. And I was like, the kids shouldn't be watching. <laughs> no, they shouldn't be. <laughs> I was so pissed. Deal with it. It could have been so good. But then they had to like take it to the sexual assault level. I watched Magic for the People. Have you seen this show that everybody's doing there? It's this comedian and he just does like, you know, magic tricks and kind of explains some some of them. I don't like it when magicians give away their tricks. The best one was the. That's a metaphor for life, Emily. I think so. Maybe <laughs> I just want to keep the mystery alive. Well, he convinces this one dude <laughs> on the street that the guy is invisible. He oh gets a God. whole bunch of people in on this trick, like random people. Gets the guy to think he's invisible by like they take a picture of an empty chair, and then the guy later sits on the chair and like he does some magic on him puts a blanket and everybody's like oh we can't see you and then somebody comes over and acts like they're taking a picture with him and he's not in the chair and so then the guy's like what i'm invisible so now people are doing 
tricking their younger siblings on YouTube into thinking they're invisible and the children are traumatized. The YouTube videos sound more entertaining than it's all very entertaining. Material. Well, for the source material, you get how it happened. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. then you see all these people just duping children, and they're just like, I'm, "No one's ever gonna see me again." Yeah, <laughs> dramatic. Welcome to women's lives. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a prank. It's daily life <laughs> for queer people too, and other people on the French word. I tried to listen to the last podcast on the left. Yeah. Which is that horror movie podcast? Mm-hmm. No. No. No, 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 no. It's not no, for no. you. No, no, no. These dudes were so annoying. He was doing a really borderline offensive Australian accent because it was an Australian murder. I got like, I ended up just turning it off and Wikipediaing the murder, which the murder was interesting. But mm-hmm, those dudes mm-hmm. were too damn much. Shit, I forgot to tell you. What? This is a good segue. Yeah. Amy Schumer has a new podcast. Oh. oh, Bridget Everett's on it, Rachel <gasps> Feinstein, and Keith Robinson, and I was a guest on it. And, it, and is it? it has What's it called? Be so it's funny. on Spotify. It's on right. It's on right now. You can hear. You can listen to it. What's it called? What shit was it called? Three girls and one Keith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very funny. I'm gonna check it out. That sounds I'm totally good. Yeah, because yeah, that's a good thing of what are you listening to now? Yeah, I love it. And they're it. doing a second season already. Excellent. Yeah, Spotify's picking up the game. Spotify needs to pick up our game. I yeah. submitted us to them. At least two months ago. We're going to roll again. We'll get it. Yeah. Come on, Spotify. Show get this. at me. Is that what you're watching? Um, well, there was also... Oh, so it's Kate Bush's anniversary of her 40th, 40th anniversary of um, Withering Heights. And I was on vacation recently. It was kind of a, a sad vacation because we had a friend pass. But, you know, we all went out of town to hang out together. And they're always a little bit of fun. I introduced this girl I had met before to Kate Bush. She was looking at pictures and was like, oh, look at this lady's outfit. I was like, that's Kate Bush. She's not that lady. And then I took her on the Kate Bush journey. Uh (laughs) And like when the babushka video comes on, she's like her face like. (laughs) She couldn't handle it. Oh, when she gets into the gold (laughs) outfit, she lost it. So then when we go to it, we went out to the bar. And while we're driving back. Uh, she was like, let's listen to more Kate Bush. So everybody else knew who Kate Bush was, and we were listening to that. And then the next thing on the sidebar was Alanis Morissette, She Ought to Know. And then after that was oh Fiona God. Apple Criminal. So we're in this full-on 90s experience. 90s we we pulled well, over also to the, early 2000s yeah we pull it over to the side of the road we get out of the car we are dancing <laughs> beside the car as if it's driving but we're just standing next so to you're it. ghost riding the whip and then well cars parked okay. then we get back in the car we put on another kate bush and everybody just busts out of the sunroof it starts dancing on the hood, and we broke this poor girl's sunroof. And that <gasps> is the danger of introducing people to Kate Bush. <laughs> <laughs> you but do people usually car? make Kate Bush, do they usually go nuts after her? Oh, these ladies caught some feelings. <laughs> Millennials aren't ready for Kate Bush. No, they don't know. One they, of my best Kate, Kate Bush things is when, uh, I forget which one of Lori Hensel's daughters said, Mom? Are we listening to a baby or an old lady? <laughs> Ooh. Yikes. It, it's hard to tell. Her barbaric yop is sometimes difficult to parse. Oh, and these ladies also, while we were on vacation, were obsessed with watching Outlander. Yeah. 
So I came in and like on the middle of it because I was like somewhere else for a little bit. And they a were, lot of ladies have a boner for that show. God damn it, the dude is so hot. The ladies were like verklempt all over the place. It apparently is time travel. Yeah. I was so it's confused. It's time traveling romance. I, I was beyond confused. I was like, who's dating who? Who is who? Who's the future? Who's the past? Uh-huh. But all that mattered is that dude is fucking hot as shit. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. That was it. That was it. And uh, that's pretty much what I've been watching. Well, before I launch into what I've been watching, it is time for us to bid a tearful farewell And to it's our only guests. because... And this is also an exclusive. Yeah. I'm rehearsing for this show. Yes! It's, it, it's the first show I've ever had a director. It's going to be profesh as hell. Oh, what so, are the dates? What are the run dates? Uh, Septem- September 20, 21, 22. And then it's the next Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, which is... Uh, well, whatever. Do the math. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I have... 27, 28, 29. 29. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And it's going to be, be the best, and everyone should see it. Thank you so much for you know, coming I can give you a little podcast. code. When is this going up? It's going up uh, hopefully by Monday. All right, listen. If if you go to the Joe's Pub, and I'm whispering. Like, okay. Next <laughs> exclusive. If you go to the joespub.com website, go to my page, and if you say you have a promo code, Ooh. you can use showbiz. Showbiz. I'm just doing it for for what you a kids low key code. And, and for a week. <laughs> yeah, it's the only code I could come think of. You know, like what a reason. Yeah, so if people want it, it's like you know five bucks off tickets or something. Nice, like that. nice. Thank you for that. Hey, showbiz. And I know kids are broke and Joe's expensive. So and there are cheaper seats. Um, I made the seats in the back couple rows cheaper so people could afford them. Awesome. You're just out there doing the just damn thing. It. Kids, showbiz. You're the best. You're, You're the, the best. best. I'll, see, I'll see you at the show next we'll week. We'll see you at yeah. the show. Okay. Murray Hill just left the studio. I'm still, my heart is still a flutter. How are you holding up? I will never not have a crush on Murray Hill, and that's just a fact. So here's what I've been watching. Lay it on me. Since the last time that we recorded the podcast, I went to Mexico. Yes. <laughs> and my consumption was sort of different than usual because I was in a foreign land. Um, I scratched a pop culture itch that I feel like I've had all my life that I've never fully been able to articulate until now. I love nature specials, especially about the ocean. I'll watch anything about the Did ocean. I know this about you. I, lo- I feel like the aliens are here and they're under the water. Did you see that new species of uh, sea animal they found just last week? No. They found a new um, species. I did not deep dive, but I saw a headline that it dissolved when they tried to bring it out of the water. Now I oh, need no. to read more about that. Well, I'm going to follow up on that. But generally are. speaking, I love aquatic nature documentaries. However, they make me literally physically uncomfortable because looking at the blue, blue ocean makes me want to be in the water. Yeah, 100 so when I'm watching, I'm just like, oh, it just looks so great to be in the water. And look, those divers are in the water or whatever. Here's what happened. In Mexico, where I was staying, there were no fewer than six pools. That's amazing. One of these pools was a small little serenity pool that abutted a bar. And then the bar over the bar was a flat screen TV that was showing the National Geographic Channel. They had a documentary on about sharks. And I, for the first time in my entire life, was floating in blue, blue water 
watching a nature special about the ocean and I have never felt more satisfied living by a TV your show best life in my life I was living literally my best life I didn't know how desperately I wanted to be in the water while watching a water documentary by the way until this is the tannest it. I've ever seen you I'm literally I've shed my goth exterior for just just this occasion <laughs> um I had if you have never watched a water documentary while in the water do it it will feel so good <laughs> um i wanted to tell you that and i also i think that you will appreciate the fact that um the last thing that i watched in mexico while i was packing up to leave on hbo they showed in a row ouija origin of evil Hannibal, which is the Silence of the Lamb sequel with Julianne mm-hmm. Moore, and then the original Exorcist, all in a row. Whoa! And so I was like, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. I took it all in. That I had is weird a great dreams. lineup. It was really good. I was like, way to go, HBO. It's not even October. I love it. I love that that happened. I usually get pissed when people do a holiday early, but I never, ever get pissed when October comes, when, are, when Halloween comes. Give yeah. me the decorations in July. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I've also been listening to uh, some new music. My current jam is, I'm not sure if you've seen this yet, the video for the new Cypress Hill song that came out on August 3rd. No! It's called Band of Gypsies. It's so good. It's got like sitar in it. It's The video is shot on location in Egypt. It features like a whole gang of really hot Egyptian dude rappers. And it's like got all this great North African like sound layered in it. And the beats are so heavy. It's really good. And um, my luscious research assistant is really into William Burroughs. And he noted that the video makes all these visual references to like the Burroughs assassin mythology and all that stuff. But I was there for the hot guys and the cool rhymes <laughs> about hashish. Which is why I was there for Outlander. I had, no, <laughs> I had no fucking clue what was going on except that that dude was hot. There you get all these these shots of like the sphinx and the pyramids and they're like blowing hashish and it's like cray you have to it's but whether you're watching the video or just listening to the song um band of gypsies is a really hot cypress hill track after all these years they're still killing it and i would be remiss if i did not mention that mariah carey released a new song i haven't heard it yet i can't wait tell me it's called gtfo and she's like in her breathy little voice about how about talking about how about you get the fuck out she says fuck like a dozen times, which is usually not Mariah Carey's M.O., and I was here for it. The song ah. is a little low-key. It's not a banger. It's not so great, but it's, like, sort of uh, exciting to... To just get any new Mariah. To get new Mariah, to get breathy Mariah swearing into the mic saying, go stay at your friend's house or something. That, my friend, is what I've been watching. Ooh. 
I would like to thank our producer, Rachel Withers, and our pals, Lally and Alec at 300 Entertainment, and of course, our girl gang at Bust Magazine. You can find me on Twitter at Emily Rems. Callie's Twitter handle is secret, and she will not tell you. I actually haven't even been on it in forever. Mm. I'm back to just Googling tweets I want to see. All right. <laughs> you can email us both. I'm Emily Rems at bust.com. I'm Callie W at bust.com. And you can learn more about this show at bust.com slash pop tarts. And finally, please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. I don't want it to be so rare, like the rare time that you're floating in a pool watching an <laughs> aquatic nature documentary. Like, don't let it be a once in a lifetime thing. Like make it a regular thing. Rate and review us on on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends to do it. Then we'll be famous and we'll be able to have a pool with a flat screen TV over it and we'll be able to watch Shark Week while floating on our backs. Uh it really helps us get the word out and we super duper appreciate it. Until next time. Mwah! Mwah!